Sick and tired of your love-hate relationship with wine? Welcome to the Feel It Alcohol-Free Podcast. Hi, I'm Coach Ruby Williams. And I'm Coach Susan Larkin. We're two former wine lovers turned alcohol freedom coaches exposing the lies about alcohol. And giving you, our listeners, the tools to break free so you can feel lit. And when you're lit, you'll feel healthier, freer, and more in control of your life. So relax, kick back, and get ready to feel lit alcohol-free. And don't forget, grab a copy of our wine-free weekend guide after the show. Hi, and welcome back. We're so excited to be here with you. So let's just dive right into the question of the day, which is, how do you decide if you're ready to take a break from drinking? Wow, that is a great question. Yes. Well, I'm excited to answer because actually there is some questions that you can ask yourself. They're called readiness for change questions. And the first question I guess I'll ask you, Ruby, is do you believe you must change? So when you were stopping drinking, how did you believe you must change, Ruby? That was probably one of the, I mean, I kept waiting and waiting and, and thinking I needed to hit some sort of fictional rock bottom. And now that I look back, actually, uh, no one needs to wait for this like rock bottom. What's the rock bottom, you know, uh, losing your job or marriage or getting a DUI. I mean, none of those things happened to me. So I thought... Yeah. I don't need to change. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm functional. Yeah. I'm doing okay, but I didn't feel good. But I really believed at some point that I must change. And I think it was for my health. My health was my biggest reason. Honestly, Susan, yeah. I was like, I was losing my eyesight. I was feeling so much heart pain and liver and like stomach pains and liver pains. And, um, it felt like my body and health was going downhill fast. And I started to look at my son who was in college and, you know, he's, he's not married or having babies now, but I was like, what kind of a grandmother am I going to be? Or will I even be around to be a grandmother? It really like wow. that kind of really hit home for me. Um, I have a great uncle who was deep in back in the like 1970s and 80s. And all he did was lay on a couch and drink and watch TV and smoke like that's And so mm. I had this image in my head of that's what was going to happen to me. Yeah. Very, very scary um, image of a family member who basically drank himself to death. And I, I was really worried, you know, because it just kept taking more and more alcohol. Like it just, it never seemed like, like the, you know, the train just kept going faster and faster. If you want to like in, in that visual, this train mm -hmm. of like alcohol. Uh, so I did reach a point where I felt like I must change if I want to be a healthy, vibrant grandmother one day, and which is what I really want to be. I want to be that grandmother that is playing with grandkids and going yeah. on trips and taking them to the park and, and not just 
again, visualizing like my great uncle who was laying on a couch watching TV and drinking. Like that's all he did. Wow. He never left his apartment. So I it got scary. Yeah. It got scary for me. What about you, Susan? Did you feel like you believe that you must change? I think I finally did right before I, I did really in June, 2020, 2019, when I was very, very curious, I, I got to a point where I was like, I've got to do something about this. I'm over drinking. I don't feel good. And for me, it was more my mental health and my physical health. Although once I stopped, I could see how much physically I felt better, but I just the beating myself up. I just, I couldn't go on hating myself the way I did. I just was so mean to myself if I would drink or over drink. And, and, you know, over drinking is relative. Like if I went out and said I was only going to have one glass of wine and then I had three or, you know, I would beat myself up, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I, um, I just was, that was the shame and how bad I felt about myself was really what brought me to the brink of like, I don't want to live like this anymore. I had that moment where I woke up and I was just like, who cares? And then I just went, wait, I care. Wait, this is I my care. one life. Yeah. And so I think that was the moment. And again, I want to emphasize just like you did too. We, you don't need to wait for a rock bottom moment, especially to start exploring your drinking. But mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Something must change, you know, and just just really recognizing that is it is important because it really does give you this this sort of inner fortitude that you know you're gonna that propels right. you forward. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, next and then question. the second question, you know, it has to do with responsibility and and do you believe? you are 100% responsible for making this change. Do you have a story around that, Susan? Yeah. Well, that kind of, it, the responsibility part, when I, again, heard in the Annie Grace webinar that it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Like the not your fault part allowed me to grab onto it is your responsibility. Like the shame and the blame was just so surrounding me that I wasn't able to like take responsibility because I was, I wouldn't, I didn't want to admit I had a problem. I didn't want to have a problem. And so my, all my actions were to try to show the world, show myself that I didn't have a problem. And until I just went, okay, here I am. This is a problem, you know, definitely I must change. So the number one, you know, question is there. And then number two, okay, just taking the blame away and allow, it's not my fault. I'm just here. It's an addictive substance. I used it as a tool to cope with as a coping mechanism. You are here. It kind of allowed me to put myself on the map and then take responsibility for here I am on the map. I want to get somewhere else. And now I can navigate my way there. Yeah. So yes, that's my story about really um, being able to, to take responsibility for it. But yeah. it was that I needed to have some self-compassion and I needed to... Um, to, I needed to ditch the shame and blame, you know, mm -hmm. how about you? Yeah, I'm really relating. And I'll just chime in and say that this piece is a big one. Instead of blaming others or, or being in that kind of victimhood, like, well, I, I drink because it's like I said, in, 
in other episodes, like I drink because I work in the wine industry, right? That was like, you know, not taking responsibility. Now, I like to say that I, the first half of my life, I tried it with drinking as my coping tool. And I'm going to take responsibility, pull up my big girl pants, you know, do the hard yeah. thing and say, okay, what's life going to be like if I take responsibility for my drinking, figure this out. And what's life going to be like alcohol free? I was so curious because I tried it drinking and coping with drinking and numbing all my emotions and kind of just checking out every day. And yeah, mm -hmm. so I, it's curious and awareness, curiosity and where we're going to keep bringing up curiosity and awareness and like self-compassion, mm -hmm. like that it's not my fault, but it's my responsibility. I'm going to echo what you just said, because yeah, I drank every day and I drank to excess or whatever you want to call that, but it's just my brain acting normal. It's, you know, we'll talk more about the science in other episodes, but it's just a normal brain. I, we're, it's not our fault, but it's our responsibility. I, I just want to say that over and over again to you all that are listening because it's so true. Yeah. yeah. It was very freeing. So that's awesome. Yeah. So the next question in the readiness for change is, do you believe you can change? That's mm -hmm. a big, yeah. Yeah. For years, I don't think I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I could change. I really, truly thought mm -hmm. I was stuck. Um, I probably for seven years, I felt like I was aware of the problem, but I couldn't figure out how to make, I tried, like we talked about before, like rules and I tried all these different things, but I didn't, I didn't think I could change. But then mm -hmm. I started reading Quitlet and getting involved with communities and seeing that people actually can do this. Okay. So if other people can do this, yeah. then I can do this, you know, and I want to give you so much hope. I made the change. Coach Susan made the change. Like we've made it. We can be your example. We can be the people that can, you can say, okay, if Ruby, Coach Ruby and Coach Susan did it, well, I can do it too. And we have ways to help you out and support and communities and all of that. So yeah, we'll talk about community in a minute. But um, yeah, I just, I think discovering this naked mind also was huge and a different approach that had a lot of self-compassion. Instead of the mm -hmm. AA approach, which was all about shame and blame and white knuckling, like that did not resonate with me. But the self-compassion, stopping, beating myself up, I hope. I think that's, that's another thing I want to mention yeah. here. Like hope is such a powerful emotion. Instead of being in despair, I had hope that, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes yeah. to figure this out. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Well, finding community definitely was a big factor. Finding mm -hmm. out that there were other women like me that struggled, that were gray area drinkers, um, that um, seeing other people do it, reading the quitlet, but also a lot of people feel like, oh, I've been unsuccessful before. You know, I've had that with clients. I mean, what if, what, what if it doesn't work this time? Because, you know, mm -hmm. I had six months and then I went back to drinking or I had one month and then I went back to drinking. And it's like, what I love to say is you don't lose any of your alcohol-free days. Any day mm -hmm. you were alcohol-free, you learned from, because even, because I had that 
you know, experience in AA back in like 2013, 14. And then when I started getting sober curious again in 2019, and then when I really went for it in 2020, I, for example, the first thing that came up in July was my birthday. And, but I said, wait a minute, I was alcohol free in 2013 on my birthday. And I was also, also doing a dry July in 2019 on my birthday. So here I am 2020 and I'm like, wait a minute, I've already done two alcohol free birthdays. I can do this, you know, so you can really draw back on some of those times or you can draw upon hard things you've just done in your life. You know, we can do hard things. We can do hard things. I love that phrase. I love of course you can change. Of course you can do it. Even if it's hard, you can do it. Everyone can do it. You just have to dig in and be willing to, to be uncomfortable, really, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it is hard, but it's doable. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. When I do my spinning classes, they're like, turn it to the the pressure that's hard but doable. And I'm like, yeah, it's hard but doable, you know? And doesn't mean perfection. Doesn't mean you're not going to, you know, it's not a linear path. Doesn't mean you're going to start day one and, you know, be perfect Mm -hmm. the whole time, but you can do it, you know? And the only failure is to stop trying, right? Right. You cannot fail if you do not stop trying. (laughs) So we were asking like the main question is like, how do you decide if you're ready to take a break? And I'll just recap, like, do you believe you must change? Do you you believe you're 100% responsible for the change? Do you believe you can change? And then the last one is, are you excited and curious about being alcohol free. Like, I think this is an important part. And what do you think about that? What's, what's alcohol free life like for you, Susan? Well, it's amazing. It's more, you know, everybody says that. And then I'm sure it's really hard when you're on the other side going, Oh, well, great. Glad for you. It's amazing, but it's not amazing yet for me. And I totally get that. I totally get it. But I'm hoping that when you hear enough stories from people who are like, I never imagined it's better than I ever anticipated or imagined it could be. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's hard, you know, because we live in such an alcohol-centric world. But waking up hangover-free never gets old. The mental freedom that I have of not beating myself up anymore. And I mean, there was a point like probably when I got about to 100 days, a little over 100 days where I started feeling what is joy? I wasn't sure what it was at first. I'm like, what am I feeling? This intense happiness. It's weird, you know? It's so, right. You know, because I just had been under this wet blanket or this, you know, gray cloud for so long. So you start to feel your feelings. You start to feel more joy. You start to work on creating better coping mechanisms. You start to just feel more empowered. And, and yeah, it's, it, it is more amazing than you could imagine. And so I just encourage everyone to anticipate that it is going to be amazing. And from the people that have gone before you, I don't think I could have ever heard a person who went alcohol free and said, yeah, it really kind of sucked. You know, my life now being alcohol free is no good. It's like, no, I've never heard that. I've never, ever heard one person say that. <laughs> How about you? Ruby? Yeah, I've never heard anybody say that, but I have heard people talk about that they're not ready for a feeling all the feelings or that was like mm-hmm. yeah. you know you you start to learn that okay i love this phrase the, I, I use this sometimes susan when i'm 
talking to clients and stuff. We are not human beings, but human feelings. Like what if the purpose oh, of life like is that. to feel or, or, and to feel lit, like I love the name of our podcast, but to yeah. feel, <laughs> to feel it, feel it too, like feel all the feelings, yeah. experience true emotion yeah. instead of living life, just wanting to numb everything, feel, mm. even feel sadness. There's some beauty in feeling sadness. I was afraid of it. Um, and feeling true joy, not that artificial alcohol joy, which, which isn't even, I, I don't, now that I feel true joy, it's, it was fake. It was fake. Yeah. It was, it's weird. It's hard to explain until you get to the other side, but I'm going to tell a little story about what this experience is like. So picture you're in like a dark cave and you're chained to the back of a cave with other people and you're all looking at this wall. That's all you can see. And you can see maybe some light that's coming from the back of the cave, but you don't quite know that the other side of the cave, there's like the sky and the sun. And, but you're the person, like, I feel like I was the person that broke away from this. I broke away. I was brave. I decided to get curious and believe that I could change and do everything in my power to make the change and get the support I needed. And I got out to the outside of that cave and it was beautiful. It was technicolor. It was yeah. sunshine and green grass. And, and then I thought, well, what am I going to do with all those other people that are stuck in that cave and chained? And I, I want to help. Like I, I, it's, it's almost like you have to almost be in the darkness to see the light and be in the lightness to also see the dark. There, there's something there. And I, I made the decision to, to go back into this cave. And that's what I'm doing like right now, like to talk to you who's listening right now. And, and I just want you to know that this alcohol-free lifestyle is worth it. It's worth this. It really is. The, the better yes. sleep. I will lost weight. I look younger, feel better. The joy that Susan talked about. It's, it's truly possible for you too. It truly is. There's so much hope. Yeah. And I think the emotional safety too, I call it emotional safety, but emotional maturity that I've gained at one point, I wasn't even quite a, a year alcohol free. I was, let's see, started in June. It was probably, yeah, six to eight months. I remember thinking that if, you know, you could make, wave a magic wand and I could go back, you know, what I wanted, what I wanted to be a normal, quote unquote, normal drinker, if I could go back and become a normal drinker, but I would have to like give back or lose everything I'd learned on my alcohol-free journey. If you gave me that choice, I would not go back. I learned so much about myself and I started to actually like myself. Like I would, and everything I learned and everything that I gained, I would never trade that for stupid old alcohol. Like again, no way. And that was a huge, I think that was a huge turning point in my alcohol-free journey is just that revelation of like every, you know, people say sometimes in, in different groups, you know, I'm grateful for this experience because it's made me a better person. 
I agree. Or I've grown so much. And to even have gratitude for how, for the fact that you even had this problem because it led you to becoming who you are today. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So, yeah. I, be- so I believe the same thing because if I could have just continued on drinking and never discovered this new confidence in myself, trust in myself, um, and just belief in I can do hard things. I can do this. Yeah. 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 It helps in other areas of our life too. Mm-hmm. So amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, know. so we are at the other fun part of our podcast, which is to talk about what we are doing to feel lit. So mm. today I'm going to ask you, Ruby, what is something that you do either on a regular basis or every now and then, or what are you okay. doing to feel lit? What am I doing to feel lit? And you can say feel it too. If you say it like fast. So when I was drinking, I think I lost sight of a lot of emotions, true emotions. Mm-hmm. And one of the emotions is gratitude. And I, mm-hmm. I really cultivate now this feeling of gratitude every single day. And it's quite simple. Mm-hmm. All you have to simply do, <laughs> and it seems silly at first. I was like, really, when someone told me this like years ago, just simply write down three things that you're grateful for every day. Mm-hmm. I thought, how's that going to change my life? Well, it cha- It really, you, you take the five minutes of your day or, or less. It's very quick. But I'm going to challenge you to some other things. Okay. So you write down your three things, okay? Whatever they are. You can do basic things like I'm grateful for water, food, and shelter. You can do things like I love the scent of vanilla. You could do people. I love, you know, I'm grateful for my mom and my son and my best friend, right? You, it could be people. It could be so many things. It's, and if you have pro- need help with it, you know, you can just Google, what can I put on my gratitude list? I mean, it's anything, but the, the I want you to level up on your gratitude list by asking yourself why why did I put that on the list? And then feel whether now I put my hands like on my upper chest or like put my hands on my body so I can really feel, maybe close your eyes and then feel that love for your child. Feel that gratitude for fresh water or whatever you have on your list. So that's how you can level up and supercharge your gratitude list is why did you put it on there? And then take a few seconds of feeling the gratitude. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I, I love how it. I feel lit. That's how I feel mm-hmm. lit. I feel the gratitude. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I started doing some gratitude work, um, my marriage really improved because I started to try to find a, one thing I was grateful for my husband every day. I love that. When things were a little rocky. You know, it's, it is it is rocky when one person changes their relationship with a substance that you used, used to do together. You know what I mean? And it got tricky there in the beginning. And things are so much better. But I really took it on of like, I wanted to see how I could improve things just on my end. And so that was the one thing, one of the things I did. And it made a huge difference. Huge, huge. So 
it's it's there's a huge power huge i'm saying it again uh, there's a great power in the practice in a gratitude practice and yeah. so that's so awesome and thank you for Ooh. sharing yeah and Ooh. i want to hear more about that i think that's a future episode for sure like how does it impact a relationship like a marriage when one person yeah. gets alcohol free I, I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love to All do that. Right. But I, what I wanted to share before we close is that we have a Facebook group. It's the Feel right. It Podcast Facebook group. And anyone can join if you're a listener. And if you need community, you need connection, you're at this point where you're questioning your drinking or you're already alcohol-free, but you feel lonely in your alcohol-free life, because I think that can happen too. Just having connection and community. We would love for you to be part of our community. So find us on Facebook. We're going to put a link in the show notes. And we would love to see yeah. you in the Feel Lit podcast community. Yeah, we can that's share our Facebook all things group. Lit. Yay. Yeah. So thanks right. so much. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to Feel Lit Alcohol-Free Podcast. Do you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show? All you need to do is head over to Apple Podcasts and do two simple things. Leave a rating and review telling us what you think of the show. And in that review, ask us any questions you have about breaking free from wine or living an alcohol-free lifestyle. That's it. Then tune in to hear your question answered live. Don't forget to grab your copy of A Wine-Free Weekend at www.feelitpodcasts.com. And remember, do something today that will help you feel lit. See you next time.